0: what is up everybody my name is matt cordova i'm the senior pastor here at the river and we are excited that you are listening to our podcast now before the message starts there's three things that we would love for you to do one we would love for you to share it two we would love for you to subscribe and three we would love for you to go and rate it so the message is about to begin i hope it encourages you and i hope that you know that god has a plan for your life It's date night. If you were here last year, this is volume two. Um, we, we're going really hard after uh, either our, our marriages or our relationships. You know what I mean? So we've got a, a marriage on the rock class that started this morning. It's a full class. It's pretty, pretty awesome to see that. It's not too late to sign up for it. Right? You only missed week one. That's all right. Right? But what, why are we in this series? Because we are learning to do relationships God's way. Right? Right? A lot of broken relationships is because we set aside what God tells us to do so that we could do whatever we want to do, right? A lot of times marriages fall apart because we look at us like we become selfish in our in the way that we do it. So no matter what stage of life you're in, if you're single, this is something we can learn, right? You can grow, acquire the tools, so that you're already there. If you're engaged, all right, let's start getting things in place, having conversations for after we say I do. If you're married, then let's go after our marriages. No matter where you are, it's always important for us to learn how to do relationships God's way. So last week, this was the key line is our focus for relationships should be unity with each other and God to accomplish what God's called us to do. Right? That's our focus. That should be our goal. What are we working towards? Being united together, being united with God to accomplish what God's called us to do. Today we're going to talk about something different. If you got a Bible, open it up to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. Uh, if you forgot it or you don't have it, or you're joining us online, it's all right. It'll pop up on the Sky Bible or on your screen. Ephesians is absolutely one of my favorite books. Right, it's only 6 chapters long and there's so much power in those 6 chapters. The first 3 chapters are basically this. Let me tell you, after I get a drink of water. The first 3 chapters are it's Paul telling this church that is made of Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians who can't get along and he's saying like listen, this is the revelation It's the Greek word apocalypse. It means to reveal something or to uncover something. So this is the revelation that God gave me and I'm committed to sharing this message all over the place. But it's that God has made us one, right? Gentile Christians, Jewish Christians, we are actually all in the same family. God has made us one in this world that like we live in this, this kind of this weird intersection of this current age, which is full of like sin and slavery and pain and murder. But how many of you know, if you said yes to Jesus, you're not like involved in this current age, but you're in this age to come, which is about freedom and redemption and sanctification, right? So we live in this overlap of the age to come and this current age. That's what the the first three chapters are about. We're united and we live in this overlap. So chapters four through six are this. How do we live like this? It's the very practical way of how do we live in this overlap as citizens of this new kingdom? How do we live in this overlap as united Christians uh, that are progressing towards this age when to this age to come? So we're gonna get all of your Bible reading in today. Chapter 5, verse 21. Starting there. It says, submit. Ooh, everybody say submit. Submit. We don't like that word. It doesn't even taste good. You know what I mean? Like, why would we say it? Mm. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to your husbands in everything. We're not done. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife, loves himself. He who, guys, did y'all hear that? If you want to love you, love her. Did you catch that? It's like a, it's it's weird. It's like being unselfish and getting kind of a selfish response. Like, you know what I mean? If you want to take care of you, love her. If you want to take care of you, love her. He who loves his wife loves himself. After, after all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and they care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of, of his body. Today, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the, the order of relationships, the order of relationships. Everybody turn to neighbor and say, order matters. Order matters. Post in the chat. Order matters. Let's pray. So, dearly, Father God, man, I thank you for this weekend. God, I thank you. We saw a, a generation just get crazy for you. God, and I pray that you would use today to inspire a little bit of craziness inside of us to reignite the fire and our passion that we have for you. God, come and move in this place. I feel you here. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, order, order matters. Order. Can we all agree that the order or the progression, the, the way that we do things matters? Right? Can we all agree on that? Like, like um, if, if we can agree on that, then we can also probably agree that when things get out of order, usually it invites chaos, right? Or things just don't work. You know what I mean? When things get out of order, things just go just don't work. Like I, I got a couple of examples. Um, let's let's talk about driving a car. Right? Anybody have to write how-to papers in like growing up? I hated it. Second grade, we'd write a how-to paper on how to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. And, like, she, my teacher would dock points if you weren't, like, specific. It was like, okay, remove the jar from the peanut butter. She's like, oh, what direction do you turn the jar? I'm like, I'm second grade. Like, mom does that. You know what I mean? Like, why do I got to, you know what I mean? So I'm going to tell you how to start your car. This is how it works. First, you got to open the door. You can't start your, well, okay, we're in a fancy time. Some of y'all are bougie. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, where's my Wi-Fi at? I'm going to pull up my phone. Let's go old school, okay? To start your car before push buttons were a thing, okay? Some of y'all are like, they made those? Yeah, they did. Uh, You got to open the door, okay? Then you got to get in the car. You got to get in the driver's seat. And then what do you do? You put the key in the ignition. You turn it forward. You wait for that bad boy to fire up, and once it's good and going, what do you do? You drive off, right? That's how you, that's the easy version, don't you second grade teacher me, okay? Huh? Oh, yeah, you got to shut the door. Shut the door. You got to grab the handle. Don't second grade teacher me, okay? Listen, listen, what happens if you don't put the key in the ignition? Nothing happens. It doesn't work. If our motive and our goal is to drive the car, but we never put our key inside the ignition, it doesn't move. Doesn't matter how mad you get at it, right? How loud you because haven't you noticed a lot of times when we're mad, what we do is like we shake things, then we yell at it. Like uh, I heard a pastor say this: he said, louder and slower are not the answers. You mean what happens when we get mad? We talk louder and we say it slower. Bradley, don't do that right? We do that. We get louder and slower, louder and slower. You yell at your car as loud and slow as you want to. It ain't budging, right? Without the ignition, it matters. Everybody say order matters. I'm going to talk about building a house very lightly because y'all know I don't use power tools. Okay. But let's say build a house, build a house, right? Um, you got to do groundwork, right? You got to prepare the ground. Then what you lay the foundation, Notice I'm abbreviating. If there's a step between that, don't you judge me. I'm not a builder. I'm a pastor. Okay? You lay the foundation. Then you build the frame. You frame it. You make sure it's framed well. Then you do all the other stuff. Right? <laughs> Here's a question. What happens if you forget the, the foundation step? Yeah, what happens if you forget the foundation? We live in Panhandle, Texas. It was kind of funny. We were When we were in Hawaii, it was like, Oh, it's going to be a super windy day today at like, it was like, what, what's super windy? Well, average wind speed is going to be 18 with gusts of 24. I was like, oh, that's like what I live in. You know what I mean? Like y'all know what it's like. Texas winds right where we are. What happens if you ain't got a foundation? Just caving in. What happens if, uh, what happens if it, ra- <laughs> we need to partner in praying for rain. Can we all agree on that? Let's say that God answers our prayer and it rains and it doesn't stop. What happens if you don't have a foundation? You know what I mean? Can you see like where order matters? Here's what I believe. I think that sometimes the hard stuff we experience, especially in relationships, is because we get things out of order. Because we get things out of order. In fact, um, a lot of times when we talk to people about relationships, we notice that many times things are out of order. You know what I mean? There, there's external struggles. I'll tell you some of the things that we see externally. Um, sometimes we get our relationship and perspective to other things out of order. Uh, for example, we see this with young couples a whole lot. Um, it, it what'll happen is one, a young couple will prioritize their parents over their spouse. Like a lot of, you see this young couple where you either got a daddy's girl in the house or you have a mama's boy and then they get, they're really close with their parent and they get in kind of this sticky situation like where they don't know what to do. And instead of talking to their spouse about it, what they do is they call their parents. And then when they actually ask their parents what's going on and then talk to their spouse about it, they overvalue their parents. Like it's like they don't even consider what their spouse has to say. It's no mom and dad said that I should do this. Mom and so can you see where that's out of order? Because if we remember last week, this is what the Bible says this for this reason, a man will leave. Everybody say leave. Leave. Listen, if you're a newlywed and you're a mama's boy or daddy's girl, you've got to go, you've got to let go. And sometimes you've got to have the hard conversation asking them to let you go. Because what will happen is is as long as you continue to value your parents' opinion over your spouse's, your your spouse will feel undervalued. They'll feel devalued. They'll be like, why why did you say I do to me? You don't even consider what I have to say. That's an external relationship problem. Listen, if you're a parent and you love your kids, sometimes the best thing to do is to let go and just be there when they ask for help. If you're a newlywed, talk to your spouse first. Talk to your spouse first. Learn to work together. You're two different worlds coming together to one. It's that, that's the miracle, right? Two different worlds coming together as one. Talk to your spouse first. If you want longevity in your marriage, you're going to have to learn to navigate life with your spouse anyways. Why not start early? Okay, so that's the first one. The next external problem that we see a lot of times is, when, uh, is after we've had kids. A lot of times in marriage, after we've had kids, is we will prioritize our children over our spouse. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, that's out of order. That's out of order. There's a new divorce statistic. It's kind of crazy. But there's a new divorce statistic, and it's called empty nest divorce. Empty nest divorce. It, it's nuts because that, that number keeps going up. What is empty nest divorce? Is as soon as we become empty nesters, we don't even know each other. Think about that. If your kid, if you're lucky, your kid goes to college at age 18. Some of y'all, you may have kids that live in your basement until 27. It's all right when nobody's judging. OK, but for the most part, right, your kids go to high school. We, then we send them off to college. And that's a lot of times when empty nest divorce happens. Here's my question. What did you do for the last 18 years? You became roommates empty, the reason emptiness divorce happens is because we spend more time chasing our children than we do chasing our spouses. Can I tell you that the best thing you could do for your kids is to have a healthy marriage? You mean, if you want to create a legacy, let me show you what it looks like. Love your spouse. I'm going to say something and I'm going to explain it to you. Marriage is a lifelong covenant. Parenting is a temporary task. Marriage is a lifelong covenant. Parenting is a temporary What do you mean Matt i'm always going to be their dad okay let's let's break this down right let's go to your vows. I remember when Alexis and I got married, we got married right here. It was awesome. She walked out. we danced down the aisle. I believe mean, it was fun. you know mean we had a good time, and she came down in that white dress and, and uh, we didn't have stairs here. She came up here and And her dad and stepdad came and and they handed her off to me and and we came and we exchanged these vows. You know what we never said? I vow to happiness. Let me remind you, if, if you didn't write your own vows, this is probably what you said, is I vow to stay committed to you, to love you, and to cherish you in sickness and in health. For richer, for poorer, right? For better or for worse. Did you notice it doesn't say better or best? There's, there's the opposite end of that. So when times are really good and when life gets really hard, and then I, I, let me remind you the very last line, till death do us part. Marriage is a lifelong covenant. When you said I do, those were the vows you said to each other. Till death do us part. If, we're, if we make a lot of money, or if we're living off beanie weenies. You know what I mean? If we're both healthy or both of us are sick. You know I mean, that's what we vowed to. That's what we said. Let me talk about why parenting is a temporary task. Because one day, and I, I know it's kind of crazy when you have kids. I, like People have always talked about you blink and, and, and they're gone. feels like yesterday Bradley was born. And now Juju's like, he, we're trying to get him to say dad, dad. If he says, ha. That means dad, okay? Just stay with me. That's dad. But Bradley, one day, Bradley and Juju are going to leave my house, and they're going to start families of their own. Do I stop being their dad? No, I don't. But by that time, as their dad, I should have equipped them with everything that they need to lead their own families. What do I mean by parenting as a temporary task? If your son is married, and moms, you're calling him to make sure that he wakes up and goes to work, we messed up. (laughs) You know what I mean? When you're parenting your kids, you're equipping them in your home, but one day they're going to leave. You don't stop being mom and dad, right? But you're not going to be over their shoulder anymore. You should have equipped them to step up and to lead or be a part of their own families. You know, and I think that's where we kind of mess up is we chase our kids our whole life. Listen, are our kids a gift from the Lord? Absolutely. You don't have a covenant with your kids. <laughs> you didn't make vows to your kids. In fact, if you do the math right, the only reason you have your kids is because of your spouse. You know what I mean? Your vows. Marriage is a lifelong covenant. Parenting is a temporary task. So these are external, fo- uh, external things that get out of order. Let's focus on order in the marriage, order in the household. So uh, we're going to look at today's text. Uh, I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm going to nerd out. Okay. So y'all just got to bear with me. Okay. Y'all good with that? If not, oh, well. All right. So let's think about this. What do we need to know about Ephesians? Ephesians, that, this area, Ephesus, this region is deeply ingrained in a Greco-Roman lifestyle. Okay, it's not, not what we're used to. It's not American, which is oftentimes how we read the Bibles through the lens of being an American. This is not written to Americans. Let me, let me help you when you're reading the Bible. The Bible is not written to you. It is written for you. Does that make sense? When you read letters, they're not written to you. In fact, a lot of times when you see you in the Bible, especially from Paul, it's a plural. It's y'all. He's writing to a group of people. The Bible's not written to us. It is written for us. So let me show you. I'm going to read you a quote from a, 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 a philosopher in that time. His name's Aristotle. Anybody know Aristotle? If not, then we need to go back to history because they talk about him in that class. Um, this is what Aristotle says. This is a perfect example of how Romans in, in Greco-Roman time period, how they view uh, the households. He says, we have first of all to discuss household management. For every state is composed of households. All right. Every state is composed. Hold on to that. The investigation of everything should begin with its smallest part. And the smallest and principal parts of a household are the master and the slave. Notice order matters. Okay. The master and his slave, husband and wife, father and children. Master, slave, husband, wife, father, children. In this culture, this is what's really interesting. Leave that up there. It says, for every state is composed of the household. In Roman culture, they believed that if we could keep our households right, we could keep the empire right. I actually think that's true. You know what I mean? Think about it. Like, If we could keep our households, as Christian households, if we could keep our households right, what would that do to churches all over the globe? What would that do to our country? Come on. Our country was based on Christian principles. And if you look at where we are, like, look at what's going on all over our country. Like, relationships are confused. <laughs> Many children are growing up in broken homes. There's the, the some gener- uh, this generation, the fatherless generation. So what's happened? I would propose that our country's kind of jacked up because our households have gotten that way. You know what I mean? But then he, he breaks down the relationship in the household. And when they would talk about the household, let me just be real blunt with you. They wouldn't talk about what women were supposed to do. They wouldn't talk about what children were supposed to do. And they wouldn't talk about what slaves were supposed to do. Right? They wouldn't. If they were to, if the Greco-Roman culture was to address anything, notice the order. They said, we're going to talk to the master, the father, and the husband. Only what he does Matters. In Greco Roman culture. So when Paul writes this, come on, this is crazy. Paul is doing something completely countercultural. Because in the order that he writes, like the end of this section ends in chapter 6, verse 9, he says, Wives, husbands, children, fathers, slaves, masters. What is Paul doing? He's giving everybody in a Christian household the responsibility. That's not Greco Roman culture, but that is the kingdom. That is the kingdom. So let's look at verse 21. Look at verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Everything that we talk about after this is to be filtered through that verse. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do we know that? Well, when you look at verse 22, which says wives submit to your husband, when you look at it in the Greek, the word submit actually isn't in there. It says wives to your husbands. And then when it talks about husbands, so when it talks about wives submitting to your husbands, husbands love your wife, what he's actually saying is those that submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, this is what it looks like. You know what I mean? In fact, let's go back because even submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ is an attachment to something different. He says, "Don't be, um, don't get drunk on wine, or don't get drunk, which leads to debauchery. But instead, be filled with the Spirit." And then he starts talking about what it looks like to be filled with the Spirit. He says, "Sing psalms of, uh, sing psalms to each other." Right? He says, "Make music." This is examples of temple worship, like worshiping together. So those that are filled by the Spirit, listen, church. Those that are filled by the Spirit worship together. We worship. This this is evidence of being filled by the Spirit is worshiping together. But he doesn't stop there. He says those that feel are filled by the Spirit give thanks to God for everything. You, listen. Those just real easy. The evidence of somebody being filled by the Spirit is they're thankful. Kind of makes a struggle a little bit if you're a little entitled. You know what I mean? And then there's one more section. Those that are filled by the Spirit submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. They submit to one another. So here's what this text actually shows us. One is it shows us what it looks like as husbands and wives to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Two, it also shows us what a marriage that is filled by the Spirit looks like. It shows us what a marriage that is filled by the Spirit looks like. So let's look at verse 22. He says, wives... Submit to your husbands, uh, submit yourselves to your husbands as you do to the Lord. As you do to the Lord. Everybody say it with me. As you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Can I tell Guess what women, guess what verse is not super loved by y'all? Why, yeah, man, guess what is like the most, John three sixteen may be the most quoted Bible verse in the world, but I guarantee you every man knows woman you're supposed to submit. Why, why do you think women, why do you think we don't like that verse? I won't do a wedding without talking about this verse. I won't. I think we don't like that verse because we don't understand what submission is. Right? We, we've already talked about the cultural difference between Greco-Roman and where we are. And I think we when we see the word submit, we read it through an American lens. So what is submission in an American lens? Well, it's one, it's a stronger vessel overpowering a weaker vessel. Right? It's like I think of UFC, right? Somebody, if they submit somebody, they make them tap out. Husbands, you tapped your wife out. Wives, does your husband like put you in a chokehold and you're like, I submit. No. Can I ask you a question? Is that why you submit to God? Do you submit to God because God overpowers you? Do you submit to God because if you don't do what he says, he's going to throw lightning bolts at you? I would propose not. I think you submit to God because you trust him. I think you submit to God because his ways are greater than our ways. I think you submit to God because you know he's with you and he's for you, right? So what is submission? What is biblical submission? It's like trusting your husband. It means to trust him like you would trust God, to follow him like you would follow God, as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. That's what biblical submission looks like is that you're going to follow him as you trust God, right? So what's really interesting is I want to, I want to dive into this. This is what I'm going to nerd out is it says he is the head of the wife. Everybody say he's the head of the wife. So you just got to listen when, no, I'm just kidding. Um, that, that one didn't go good. All right. Anyways, <laughs> he's the head of the wife, the husband. Yeah. Leave that up there. He is the head of the wife. He's the head of the wife. Uh, what's really interesting is the word for head is the Greek word kephale. Kephale. Everybody say kephale. Kephale. The word kephale is not an authoritative term. It doesn't mean, like, like listen, if they were going to use an authoritative term like ruler or king, they would have used a Greek word like ruler or king. The word kephale literally means head, it means source, like the source of a river is where like, it all starts. Or it means prominent, which means first, right? It means prominent, or it means first. In fact, here's a, a great example. Um, the same word is used to describe Jesus Christ as the cornerstone, as the cornerstone. The cornerstone is the first stone in the building. It's the first stone, right? Husbands, what does that mean? You're supposed to be first, like lead, like step out. You know what I mean? If if being the head Is an authoritative term, then I don't think we understand what biblical leadership looks like. Because Jesus says, if you want to be first, you'll take the place of a servant, or if you want to be great, you'll take the place of a servant, if you want to be first, you'll take the place of a slave. So, men, to lead in your household is to serve your spouse, to serve, to serve, to lead, to guide. But let's break this down. The husband is the head of the wife, just like Christ is the head of the church. What does that look like? He was the savior of the body. He is the savior of the body. He answers what biblical headship looks like. What is biblical headship? Biblical headship is not domineering or ruling. Biblical headship is sacrificing and providing. Biblical headship is sacrificing and providing. Men, here's what you need to know. Submission is hard for women when their security is rattled. Submission is hard for women when their security is right. If they don't feel safe, if they don't feel like you're with them or that you're for them or with your family or for your family, guess what's really hard for women? To submit. If you're about you, if you're just about you, like remember we talked about things that disrupt unity is selfishness. If you're all about you and not about your, your, spouse, your spouse, your spouse, I was going to say family and spouse. There's a new word we just made, your spouse. Okay. If you're if you're not about your family and your spouse, submission is going to be hard. You mean if if her uh, security is rattled, submission is going to be hard. So that's what it looks like for for women, wives, wives that are, are being filled by the Spirit, that are submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives they submit to their husbands. Notice that was a really small portion of text. I think that was like three Bible verses. Men, what does it look like for us? It's a lot more than three Bible verses. Husbands, love your wife just like Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. Love your wife like you love you. Do you notice the words are different? It says, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wife. Men, you understand that you're the only one like like that's obligated to love. You want me to tell you why love is hard for us? Y'all ready for this? Because we like to love on our terms. I like to be the one that defines love. I'm going to love you based on my definition. You remember? Uh, that's, what we, that's what we like, right? We, we do the same thing with other people too. Like I'm only going to love other people as long as it looks like my definition of love. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Is love God or is God love? Is love God or is God love? Well, if, if love is God then whoever defines love is God. There are movements all across our country in the name of love that don't represent God. But 1 John says that God is love, that He loved we love because he first loved us. So if God is love, then the one who is love is the definer of love. Where do we find that? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Guess what's not a marriage text? It's talking about how we're supposed to love each other in the church. But that translates to how you're supposed to love each other at home, too. Can I tell you something? This is, this is way off my notes. If you have a, um, a memory bank of the things that your partner has done wrong, you aren't, lo- aren't loving them. It says love keeps no record of wrong. If you're saving stuff up for the perfect argument, listen, you're already operating out of love. You're operating from offense, to be completely honest. The only reason you're keeping it so that you can get your knife in after they get theirs. That's why we're hurting. That's why our marriages are struggling. Is if you're going to cut me, I'm going to cut you. And I'm saving this one because this one's got a sharper point. Man. No one hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ loved the church. Man, can you see where the responsibility lies? Like, yeah, we, have, we all have a part to play. But can you see where God puts a lot on the men? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, right? What does he say to men? Love your wife like Christ loved the church. So, okay, men, how much did God love the church? <laughs> When is the last time you looked at your wife and said, Man, I, I want to love you like Christ loved the church? So, how much did he do it? He gave his life. He gave he gave his life for the church. He he sacrificed himself. He walked through it for the church. And he answers why? Why? Why did he give his life to the church? To present her as perfect to himself. Man, listen, maybe, men, we would stop keeping records of the wrongs that we did for our wife or that our wife's done to us if we would sacrifice for her. Because it says that he presents her as blameless to himself. Man, if you're throwing blame and shame all over your spouse, I'm asking ask this question. Men, when's the last time you sacrificed for her? Well, man, you should have heard what she said. Yo, well, they spit on Jesus. He still did it. right? They beat him. He still walked through with it. Why? To present the church as blameless to himself. And we talked about this. What does biblical headship look like? It's sacrifice and provision. Man, I feel like sometimes we think we got the provision part down. I think we we, we get into marriage and we get down the road and we're like, oh, I give him, I got him money. You know what I mean? We could go get whatever. She can get the car she wants or we're able to put food on the table. It's two-part. Sacrifice and provision. Sacrifice and provision. Man, when's the last time you gave up something so that your wife can walk into who she's called to be? Or are you just pushing for your promotion? You pushing for, for your status? Are you just going after yours? Okay, that breaks up unity because it's selfish. I mean, he's, it's super quiet, man. Y'all, if I stepped on your toes again, I'm not sorry. I'm not. Christ died for us, and, and, and in that, he covered our sins, right? Let me show you what, what, what sacrifice and provision is, okay? We know he gave his life. Why did he give his life? Let's not think... Let's, uh, let's think um, just personally, he gave his life to wipe away my sins, to wipe away your sins so that we could be restored to God. Right? So what did he provide us with? Well, through our belief in him, because of the death, burial and resurrection, if we believe in him, the Bible says we have his Holy Spirit. There's provision. He says he's a counselor. He's one like him, one just like Jesus, the paracletos. What else did he provide? He provided us an opportunity to have a whole relationship with God. Can you see what biblical headship looks like? Sacrifice. Why did he sacrifice? Because we couldn't do it. <laughs> right? We talk about this. My righteousness is as filthy rags. Jesus is the perfect example of what biblical headship looks like, men. Let me, in fact, I would say this men, what is it that you love the most about Jesus? Is it the way he loved people? Is it the way he spoke to them? Is it the way that he had compassion? Is it the fact that he died for you? Whatever it is that you love the most about Jesus, go do for her. Go do that for her. Love her like God loved the church, right? Love her like God loved the church. And think about it. God doesn't lead the church. Christ doesn't lead the church by domineering. He's not domineering. He speaks, he loves, and he serves. And he's called us to do the same for our wives. To speak to our wives. Listen, if if you're a guy, you don't like to share your emotions, get used to it. You need to talk to them. Hard to have a relationship with somebody you don't have words with. You know what I mean? He speaks to them. He loves them. And he serves them. I want to say something. Men, we can't lead like Christ if we never look at him. We were, you guys heard about our suffering in Hawaii. It was horrible. And uh, we were down there and we were getting, we were looking for something, you know, when you go and your kids stay here, first of all, you get to sleep, which was nice. And then we, we wanted to bring our boys back something, right? We want to bring our boys back something. So you look for something on the island that, that you can bring back. We bought Juju, this killer Hawaiian outfit that, I mean, he'll probably outgrow tomorrow, but it would have looked good, you know? And then for Bradley, Bradley, I was looking for this hat. I, w- I wanted to get him this hat. We, and You can ask Greg, Tammy. We drove the island. We were looking for, for a hat with a chicken on it or a rooster. Why a rooster? Because they're everywhere. I love roosters in Hawaii. They don't attack you. They're nice. So we're, we're driving around, and I want to get this hat. Here's the, here's the crazy thing is I didn't just want to get this hat for him. I wanted to get it for me too. The reason I wanted to get it for him is because Bradley likes to look like me. Bradley on Sundays will often try to get dressed like me and, and look like me. And then he tries to, this weekend, he tried to act like me. Boys, you ask my junior high boys. Dude came in trying to bark orders, like <laughs> tell, trying to tell them what's going on. Bradley tries to do like I do. Why does Bradley do that? Because that's what he sees. That's what he's looking at. You know what I mean? Think about when your kids were growing up. One of my favorite memories of Bradley was Bradley would try to put my shoes on as a baby. When he started walking, why? Because those are daddy's shoes. I see daddy wear these shoes. I want to wear what daddy's wearing. So he imitated what he was looking at. Men, you can't lead like Christ if you never look at him. You can't lead like Christ if you never spend time with him. Right? And as long as you don't lead like Christ, submission will be hard for her. But women, what do you need to know? Women, what do you need to know? Being the head is hard for men when we don't feel honored and respected. Being the head, leading our households the way God's called us to lead, is hard for men when we don't feel honored and respected. Listen, if everything we do is wrong and you mother us for doing it, why would we do it? Remember, we talked about the way that we honor and respect is by honoring him forward. Right? Here's the truth, ladies. We're men. We're going to make dumb mistakes. That's why God gave us helpers. Hello. You know what I mean? We're going to make mistakes. But he needs to know that you're with him when he does the dumb stuff. And he needs to know that you're with him when he does the good stuff. You know what I mean? And you don't honor him for who you want him to be. You honor him for who God's called him to be. And if he's not there yet, you speak to him as if he is. And he'll walk into it. Right? Right? It's hard for us to lead, to be the head, if we don't feel honored and respected. Um, can you see where meeting each other's needs plays a role in keeping the order in our houses? Here's the truth. Everybody's got a role. Everybody's got a responsibility. And, and here's what I would propose. Instead of focusing on what your spouse isn't doing, focus on you first and make sure you're answering the question. That you're doing what you're part If all you do is focus on her, you're going to build a case against her. And guess what? There we are, operating out of love again, outside of what love is. Do your part. If you're single, grow in your part. Grow in your part. Develop into who God's called you to be right now. Why would you wait? You know what I mean? If you, Why would you wait? Become that godly man that, or woman that God's called you to be. That way, when you get into that, when you meet that special somebody, and y'all are sending the sappy love text and taking pictures on every date that you go on, every 30 minutes and posting it online for all of us to see, you're already that person. You're not waiting to get there. You're already prepared. You're ready to walk it out. Right, everybody invite. The, uh, we're going to ask the worship team to come up. Everybody invite them up. Say, worship team, come on. We can do. We'll invite them up as a family. I. Ain't... Everybody good. Everybody good. Okay, oh, we're gonna close. I'm gonna end with one more verse. This is this is actually this is fascinating. Um, so we talked about women. We talked about men. All of this is through submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. A wife that. Loves her husband or is, is full of the, smir- the spirit, um, submits to her husband. A husband that loves his wife uh, and is full of the spirit, uh, loves his wife like Christ loved the church. Can y'all see what this looks like, right? It's submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. But then he breaks this down. It's kind of crazy. In verse 32, this is how he ends this section. Look at this. It's amazing. Verse 32. There it is. Right on time. <laughs> It says, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. <laughs> like think of this whole section. Like he's he's using the marriage example to talk about our relationship with him. Right, he's using husbands and wives. Wives, submit to, your, to submit to your husband as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church. Well, we get to read how much Christ loved the church through Mark, through John. So, guess what our role is—to submit to him, to keep that relationship in order, to go after him, to trust him as he leads us. Couldn't they like think about this as the groom? What has he done? Everything, right? This is what the the scripture says. When you work through that, when you look at everything that it tells the husband to do, it says that he sanctifies her. What did Jesus do? Did he not sanctify us? Through his death, burial, and resurrection, are we not sanctified if we believe in him? Is our sin not wiped clean? Right? He sanctified us. Another thing is he cleanses us from our past. This is one. It says he removes our stains and wrinkles. Jesus did that for you. To present you to himself as blameless, spotless, without stain, without wrinkle. It says he feeds and he cares for us. Why? Because he loves us as if he loves his own body. Isn't it crazy because we are his body? Like this whole, this whole analogy, is Paul saying, listen, this is what it's supposed to look like for us and God. This is what it's supposed to look like for. So our relationship with each other is supposed to mirror our relationship with him. Your relationship with your spouse is supposed to look like our relationship with God. Isn't that crazy? I think the secret to keeping our houses in order is keeping our relationship with Christ in order. Jesus first, men, 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 What tries to take the throne of our life? What try, what tries to take first place? Our job, our money, our aspirations, dreams, ambition. And it's crazy because oftentimes, if things are out of order, if we don't have Christ first, then we try to love our wife the way that money does. (laughs) We love our wife through the lens of whatever's first in our life. If it's your goals, well, man, she's just trying to get in the way of where I'm trying to get. No, no, no. You didn't. You vowed till death do you part. And you didn't value it with your goals. You didn't say, hey, I'm promising that we're making this covenant with you, me, and our goals. You, me, and the dollar bill. The covenant was between you, her, and God. You mean wives? What tries to take first place in your life? The kids? Same stuff job, promotion, status notoriety okay and sometimes we try to submit to our husband look out of the lens of that why I mean he's getting in the way of what I have for our kids the kids is both of y'all's responsibility first and foremost but two, the Bible doesn't say submit to your kids it actually tells you to raise your kids up in the ways of the Lord So if the Lord ain't first, if the Lord ain't first, you ain't gonna raise your kids up in the right way in the first place. That's a whole nother message. To me, too many of us are raising up our kids in the ways of good ideas. Or in the ways of whatever Google says is the best thing to do. We have a generation running away from God because they don't hear about God. They hear about what Google says. Or what TikTok shows them. (laughs) not going to step on any toes, but if your kid has a cell phone, guess who gave it to him? (laughs) Will I give my kid a cell phone one day? Yes. You can tell me the same thing when I do. (laughs) Listen, all of this, both the men and the women, their responsibility is dependent on their relationship with God. Wives, Submit to your husbands as what? Unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wife like who? Like Christ loves the church. God is the centerpiece. He's the centerpiece. He's the image. He's the reflection. He's the one that we imitate. So, what does it look like? This is what I think order in the house looks like. Christ. Christ. My spouse my children and whatever else comes next whatever else so we're going to go in time of worship and I want to ask this question, are things out of order? are things out of order? you know what I mean? listen, <laughs> if, is your marriage in a good spot? awesome but will there be things that try to come and break up that 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 order, that concentration, that practice? absolutely So. During this time, pray together. Ask God to, to keep you focused on the right things, to keep him first, to give you men the strength to love and to sacrifice for her like Christ did. Women, to give you the strength to trust him like you trust God. If your marriage is in a in a, in a tough spot, grab your spouse, ask the question, hey, what is out of order? You, you know what's really good about... Um, recognizing you're in a tough spot is that I'm sorry goes a really long ways. Maybe today's the day you tell your spouse, sorry. And if you're unwilling to, all that shows is that pride has become a priority. If you're single, man, ask God, well, what do I need to grow in as unto you? Or just like you. There's a responsibility on each and every one of us. Because as goes the households, goes the empire. Right? Everybody turn to your neighbor and say order matters. So, dearly Father, God, we just thank you for this time. God, and I believe that you want to strengthen and restore today. God, I believe that you you want to prepare. God, and I speak against everything in our life that tries to, to, to put a false label on us that tells us that this is just who I am. No, you're not. You're a new creation in Christ. And if, if you're a woman and, you, and, you're, and that's what's going through your mind, you're a new creation in Christ. And you were given the ability to, to love and to, to trust your husband the way that God's called you to. If you're a husband and you're like, man, this is just who I am. No, no, no. You're a new creation in Christ and you were given the ability to love and to lead just like God has called you to. So God, I pray that we would just keep our eyes on you as unto the Lord or just like you did. It's in your name we pray and everybody say. Hey, that's the message. I hope it encouraged you. I hope it inspired you. I hope that you know that God has a plan for your life. In fact, if you would like to join us as a part of our online campus and you would like to watch the video as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing week.